Welcome to the Ogletree Deacons podcast, a brief discussion of compelling legal issues and practical insights. Please note that the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be, nor should it be construed as legal advice. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. Please enjoy the program. Hi, everyone. This is Kara Lancaster. I'm a immigration attorney in Ogletree's Raleigh, North Carolina office. I am joined today by Derek Meka, my colleague in the D.C. office. Uh, Derek, you want to say hi? Hey, Kara. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to chat. As you said, I'm an, in the immigration group here in D.C., um, and I know this topic is definitely something we've been getting a lot of questions about. Yeah, so we're going to talk about policy updates for H4, L2, and E-dependent spouses. So I thought I would start off with just a basic explanation of what we're talking about when we mention an H4 spouse, for example, or an L2 spouse. So essentially, we're talking about individuals who are married to a person on an H-1B visa or an L-1 visa, which these are just really common employment-based visas that foreign national employees are holding in the United States. So when someone's on an H-1B visa, their spouse is eligible to be here in the United States on an H-4 visa. Um, Same thing goes for if someone were to transfer from their company's London office, for example, to the New York office, oftentimes they will come on an L-1 visa and their spouse is eligible to come to the U.S. on an L-2 dependent visa. So that's what we mean as we mention H-4, L-2, and E dependents throughout this podcast. And the focus here is that these spouses have been able to apply for work authorization through an application for an EAD, an employment authorization document. And they haven't always been eligible for these. Um, Actually, just for a brief history lesson, the L2 and E dependent spouses were given eligibility to apply for work authorization back in 2002. And H4 spouses actually only gained this eligibility in 2015. So what they have been doing in the past few years is submitting applications for these EAD work cards. And the problem that they've encountered is that the processing times at USCIS, which is the United States Citizenship and Immigration Service, the processing times are very lengthy just due to the volume of applications submitted, staffing shortages, uh, which are really compounded in the last couple of years by COVID-19 delays as well. So what they're seeing is just really lengthy processing times. And it's one thing to get to the United States and wait uh, you know, six to 12 months to be able to work. And it's another thing entirely when you've already gotten that initial work card and it's time to renew it. And the processing times are still very lengthy. And what is happening is we're seeing gaps in employment authorization for these individuals. The reason for that is that there is a rule that only permits individuals to file a renewal of their work authorization up to six months before their current work card expires. So that is the earliest they can submit the application. 
So you take that and pair it with the fact that processing times are often well over six months, sometimes even 10, 12 months, and you're all but guaranteed to have a gap in work authorization while you wait for that new EAD card to come in the mail. So sometimes that's a gap of a few weeks, but certainly we've seen gaps of several months just because of those lengthy processing times. So what happened recently is that a couple by the last name of Shergel and 15 other plaintiffs filed a class action lawsuit against USCIS, and that suit was settled in November of 2021, fairly recently. And in that settlement, USCIS agreed to a couple of policy changes, and you can kind of put them into two buckets. One policy change is for spouses on L2 and E dependent visas, and the other policy update is for H4 spouses. So Derek, uh, can you kind of explain to us the update for L2 and E spouses? Yeah, of course. So in this November 2021 settlement, uh, USCIS agreed to update their uh, policy with regard to, I guess, how they interpret uh, work authorization for L and E dependent spouses. Um, specifically, you know, USCIS is now acknowledging that those individuals are uh, employment authorized incident to status, right? Not just kind of a fancy way of saying that by virtue of them holding L or E dependent status, right, as a spouse, they are work authorized and don't need any kind of additional documentation or an EAD card itself, right, to prove that work authorization. That's a, you know, a huge step in the in the, in the right direction, right? It, yeah. it kind of does away with the need to, to apply for and wait for an EAD in the first place. And, and so, you know, for individuals coming in as L2 spouses now, right, or moving forward, they wouldn't even ever need to apply for uh, an EAD um, just for work authorization purposes. Now, what happened af- um, in this policy update in November as well, right, is USCIS acknowledged that they did need to have some additional time to work with uh, U.S. Customs and Border Protection or CBP to update uh, the I-94 system to to kind of annotate um, an L-2 or an E as a spouse, right? Uh, You know, USCIS indicated that, you know, the current, the system that was previously in in place didn't really confirm on paper that somebody was a spouse, right? Which is the only kind of category that gets this immediate work authorization. And so fast forward a few months, right? And we saw starting towards the end of January, early February is, People started emailing us, you know, new I-94s that had an S at the end of the I-94 designation, right? So what was previously an L2 I-94 is an L2S. And lo and behold, a couple of days later, USCIS formally announced that that they had implemented the system and so has CBP. And so now any new either I-94s issued by USCIS or by CBP at a port of entry would designate kind of the the sub category i guess you can say right of an l2s or um, an e3s right whatever the underlying um status may be and so from that time forward right from this the time this was implemented in january february um anybody who who's issued a new i-94 um has that s designation and anybody who is awaiting, say, an extension approval from USCIS can expect to get their new approval notice with that same designation. You know, the impact of it is kind of going to be 
steadily <laughs> expanding over the next few months, I, I would say, right? Like I said, anybody traveling internationally coming in on an initial L2 visa, right, will benefit from this immediately. And anybody who is going to be receiving a an extension approval notice from USCIS will also be benefiting from that immediately. Um, I mean, a few days ago from the time of this recording, um, on, on March 18th, 2022, uh, USCIS seems to be kind of expanding the benefit even further. Um, and they indicated that uh, for those individuals who say had an uh, extension approved before January 30th, right, meaning that their approval notice in 994 doesn't have that spousal annotation, USCIS is going to start sending notices in April 2022 to those people, kind of confirming that they're, they fall within that spouse um, subcategory, right? So they, they can benefit from their uh, original approval notice, right? Uh, plus this new letter to prove work authorization without the need for an EAD. That doesn't necessarily extend to individuals who have CBP issued I-94s um, prior to this, this um, kind of code change in January. You know, CBP has not indicated that they're going to be applying this kind of retroactive benefit uh, as USCIS will. So, you know, those individuals would still need an EAD to, to confirm work authorization. You know, that kind of leads to the question now of how does an employer verify if somebody's work authorized, right? And if they're an L2 or E spouse. Now with this new policy change, there's kind of a variety of different ways somebody can prove work authorization for I-9 purposes. EADs aren't going away. They're not invalid. People can still apply for them if they want to. Um, so, so if somebody you know presents an L two EAD, right, that still is absolutely fine, and um, you know alone is sufficient to prove work authorization and identity for I nine purposes. Uh, in addition to that, uh, the new I ninety four itself, with the spousal designation, uh, is sufficient, right, without the need for an EAD to prove work authorization. An employee would still need to present additional documentation to prove identity under list B. Uh, for I-9 purposes. Similarly, and, and with this new announcement um, from March 18th, 2022, an individual can now present a combination of an old, uh, of, an, of a 994 that's still valid, but has that old L2 or you know E3 dependent designation without the spousal designation, plus this new letter that USCIS will start issuing in, beginning in April, 2022 to prove work authorization, right? So a combination of those two documents will prove work authorization. They'll still need to, to show identity documents under list B for I-9 purposes. <laughs> a lot of info on, on the LNE side. I don't know if you have anything to add, Kara, if you want to jump over to H-4. Yeah, no, I think overall the takeaway there is just, it's a really great improvement for L2 spouses and E-dependent spouses and for employers of those individuals to sort of no longer have to deal with the processing delays associated with EADs. So that's just a really great, you know, great news overall. So switching over to the update for H4 spouses, um, and I, and really by starting with the update for the E and the Ls, that was actually the simpler update, in my opinion. Um, the H4 update is a little more convoluted um, and overall just not as beneficial. But essentially what USCIS agreed to do for H4 spouses is provide them with a a new 180-day extension of work authorization 
if they timely filed their EAD renewal and have a valid underlying I-94. So again, when we talk about an I-94, we're really just referring to the person's underlying H-4 status, their admission period that they are permitted to be in the U.S. The reason this is not extremely beneficial is because in most cases, the individual's underlying H-4 status and EAD will expire on the same day. And typically that's also the same day that their principal H-1B spouse's status expires. So traditionally when we're filing extensions, oftentimes it's the H-1B, the H-4, and the H-4 EAD all being filed together for a renewal because they all expire on the same day. So someone in that scenario, which is very common, is not going to get this benefit of 180-day automatic extension beyond their existing EAD expiration because they're, they're still waiting for the underlying H-4 to be extended as well. So in practice, what we've seen is that there is a workaround uh, to to have someone be able to benefit from this auto extension, but it requires jumping a couple of hoops. Um, it's also something that from an employer perspective, you don't necessarily have a lot of control over. Um, but essentially, the easiest way to think about it is to work backwards. So the only way for someone to get the 180-day automatic extension of their EAD work authorization is to have their underlying age four already extended. So how do we do that the quickest? Well, the quickest way is for an H-4 spouse to travel, to exit the U.S. and re-enter, and that re-entry resets their I-94. It resets their admission period. Well, in order to do that, in order to actually get an extended validity on their new I-94, the H-1B principal spouse has to have the H-1B renewed. So when you think backwards that way, what we've seen people do is step one, get the H-1B renewed. And the quickest way to do that is to file the H-1B renewal under premium processing. Premium processing is an expedited service that USCIS offers. H-1Bs are eligible for this premium processing option, but H-4 dependents are not. And so what that means is that to sort of piece together this process and make it beneficial for someone, number one, you have to premium process the H-1B extension. And that arises or it brings about some questions, which is number one, who's going to pay for the premium processing? Some employers cover this fee for their H-1B employees. A lot don't because it's not necessary typically to keep the H-1B employee work authorized for a long period of time. So, you know, sometimes employees have the option to pay out of pocket for premium processing. But that's just the first question that arises in this is, Who's going to pay for premium processing? Um, so then once you have the H-1B approval, the H-4 spouse needs to travel. They need to exit the U.S. and come back in with that H-1B approval in hand. That's what will then extend their I-94. But the question there is, do they have a valid visa stamp for travel purposes? Sometimes people do, sometimes people don't, because the visa stamp in their passport is just a travel document. It doesn't have to be valid for them to be physically in the United States. So that question is a big one. Do they have a valid visa stamp? If not, can they easily get one from a consulate while they are abroad? Lately, that's not as easy as it used to be with a lot of COVID delays with embassies and consulates overseas as well. 
So when they come back into the U.S., assuming they can travel, they will get the new I-94, they will get that new admission period, and then they can file the EAD renewal. And at that point, they would be eligible for the 180-day extension of work authorization because they've already renewed their H-4 status. Their underlying I-94 is valid. And, you know, that's a lot of information. It's a, a lot of hoops to jump, like I, like I said. And I think what employers just need to be aware of is that this is something they might see more of. They might see more individuals wanting to premium process their H-1B extension. They may see H-4 spouses that they employ uh, needing to travel for purposes of extending their underlying H-4 status. And a a lot of times this is two different employers, right? The H-1B spouse is employed by one company and the H-4 spouse is employed by a different company. Occasionally we'll get, you know, two, two spouses that are employed at the same company, but more often than not, it's two different employers that are sort of going to be, um, you know, seeing this pop up more and more often. From an I-9 perspective, when it comes to the H-4 update, again, like Derek said, a valid EAD is still perfectly normal to accept for employment authorization purposes. But the additional combination of documents that employers might see with this new update is an expired EAD along with a receipt notice showing that the individual timely filed their renewal, along with a valid I-94. So those three things together are something that uh, employers might start to see from an I-9 perspective. Derek, anything to add on the H-4 side? No, I think I think you covered a lot of it. Um, you know, one, one thing, I, just to clarify, on both H-4 front and the L&E side, right, I kind of referenced it in passing, but it's probably important to note, right? This only applies to spouses, right? Children are also on H4, L2 status, right? They 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 are not eligible for work authorization, even if they're, you know, of age to work over 18, right? Current rules only allow for, for spouses uh, to apply for work authorization at this point. Uh, and then one other thing, just just to, to kind of wrap up on, on the I-9 side, I guess, the I-9 handbook itself uh, has not yet been updated to, to reflect these, these changes in, in, in how uh, work authorization can be demonstrated. Uh, however, USCIS's I-9 Central has confirmed uh, that these changes are, are, are in effect, right? And that, and that for I-9 purposes, employers can start accepting these new, these new documents and sets of documents to prove work authorization. So employers can start you know, authorizing uh, employees' I-9s you know, moving forward now. Yeah. And, you know, so overall, I think these policy changes are are positive. Uh, it's a significant change for E and L spouses. For H4 spouses, I would say it's an improvement, but they will they will likely still encounter challenges with processing times and and, and potentially gaps in work authorization. And then I think one last thing for employers to to note is that Ultimately, all spousal work authorization is still tied to the principal H-1B, L-1, E visa holder maintaining their status and, and being able to renew their status. So that is something that has also presented a challenge sometimes for employers of, of spouses uh, is that ultimately if the, if the principal H-1 spouse were to uh, have their renewal denied or, or an L-1 uh, spouse's 
employment is terminated. Things like that will immediately impact the spouse who's holding the dependent H4 or L2 status, even though they're at a completely different company, right? So that's something that is still the case. I don't have any reason to believe that will ever change. Just from a legal perspective, the dependents are ultimately um, tied directly to the principal spouse maintaining their status. So um, just to sort of make sure that's clear that that is still the case, that has not changed. But this settlement has at least opened up the door to allow H4, L2, and E spouses to hopefully prevent gaps in their work authorization. So I think that's all we have for this today. Um, and thanks for joining me, Derek. Thanks for having me, Kara. Um, and thanks, everybody, for, for listening today. Thank you for joining us on the Ogletree Deacons podcast. You can subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. And remember, the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as legal advice.